We're going to play a game real quick called This or That. Who have you played This or That? I'm going to give you a This or That scenario. There we go. Scenario, if you so choose. And then you will say your preference, okay? Does that make sense? First one, we're going to start off really easy and cheesy. Ready? Bur- that was clever. Burger King or McDonald's? Give it to me. Okay? Listen, listen, listen. Pepsi or Coke? Whoa. Pepsi haters in the house, okay? All right, all right, all right. Blonde or brunette? <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and take this off. Okay, I'm actually not going to use this one, Daniel, sorry. I was, I was only going to use it as a backup plan if they thought they were too cool to yell anything out, and it was like, cricket, cricket. I was going to be like, okay, I'm going to solo out one person. Uh, okay, I got some more here. Skiing or snowboarding? Kara Overling's the only one. Skiing! I learned when I was two. Uh, okay, um, okay, here we go. Twilight or Harry Potter? Oh, wow. Who said that? Yes, Joey. Jesus and God and the Holy Spirit. Uh, Jacob or Edward? All right, guys. Bella or Alice? <laughs> I'm Alice on that one. Alice, I know. It's a, it's a no-brainer. Why shouldn't she should have been the star? Bella's a dork. Um, uh, chocolate or vanilla? Chipotle or Cafe Rio? I'm thinking of Cafe Rio on that side, okay? Basketball or football? <laughs> Wesley. <laughs> you can always, like, hear the one most loud person. Um, loudest? I, I, I biffed that, sorry. Cats or dogs? Uh, who's cats? Anybody just raise your hand and represent? Please leave. Go downstairs to the junior hires, please. Just kidding, just kidding. I'm joking, we, we love cats. No, we don't, just kidding. Uh, all right, this is, the most, this is the last and finally most important one for sure. Let me finish the question before you answer. In and out or five guys? <laughs> if I could get a group of guys just to kind of punk Cole McCormick by the end of this talk, just because he's like a five guys lover and uh, in and out's way better way better. Anyways, whatever. Um, tonight, tonight we are continuing in our series, and I just want to kind of start it off because here's the deal, and it kind of, it's one of those random Scott things that I just do every once in a while, but we all do have preferences, right? We all have, if, if you ask me, the way I, reason I say that for last, if you ask me, Scott, in and out or five guys, if I even hear like in and out like right now after Refuge, now even talking about it, I really want to go get some in and out burger. Anyways, so let's go to in and out because I hear in and out like I hear something, I kind of wrap my heart around it and I just go for it. Maybe I'm crazy, but here's the deal. We've been in this series called How to Wreck Your Life, right? In the last couple weeks, we've talked about things that maybe we think are insignificant, things that maybe we think are, are not the, like what that video said, right? We're not, everyone knows not to kill somebody, to rob a bank, but what about the things that we sometimes find ourselves wrapped up in? Are they, do they matter? Does, does it really matter? And, and we are saying that the next four weeks, last two weeks, and then today, and then next week, we're talking about some things that we sometimes find as insignificant. 
But really, if we start peeling back and seeing what these things are and seeing in light of Scripture, that these things can really wreck your life. And so tonight, we're talking about lust. And I don't know what comes through your head when you hear that, right? Especially, we're, we're like high schoolers. I, I don't know what they're talking about downstairs with junior hires. They're talking about the same thing, but it's going to look a little different, right? Because high schoolers, we kind of have all these thoughts when we hear lust. What does that mean? Maybe you have no idea what it means. Maybe you're like, dude, I know exactly what that means. And so I want to give you a definition to start it off. And, and I try to give you guys some, uh, some things on the, on the screens that I'd love for you to write down or take notes on your iPhone. Just don't text. Just take notes. I can't really tell what you're doing, but I trust you, all of you. Um, but I, I want you guys to write these things down because if we don't write them down, we don't remember them, and then what's the point, right? So um, we're going to have some slides tonight. I'd really love it if you bring a notebook or maybe you just have like a notes page um, in your iPhone or BlackBerry or whatever else is cool that can take notes. Um, here is the definition we came up with this week for lust. Here it is. Fleshly, and I know that word's weird. That's why it's in quotes, and we're going to get there. Uh, it's not on the screen yet. Where are you at? There it is. Mm. Sorry. Um, fleshly desire for something that God wants to protect us from. Okay, and again, I don't know where that lands on you tonight. Um, and, and tonight, we're not trying to be heavy, but here's the deal. I think we've all kind of dealt with this issue. So it might be kind of heavy tonight because we're high schoolers and we can deal with that. So lust, we would say, is fleshly desire for something that God is trying to protect us from. And here's the premise for tonight as we jump in. A thing that you have to know, this is the banner statement. If I could hang a banner up here, it would say this. Because if we're going to understand biblically, biblically how to approach lust and, and what, it, what the Bible says about it, we have to understand it in this context. And here it is. Here's the banner statement. God is perfectly good. That's the first one, Nathan. There it is. It's funny. I have this mirror here. It's kind of cool. God is perfectly good. He's a loving father. God is perfectly good. So as we approach this thing, we have got to understand that first, that God is absolutely 100% perfectly good. And he is a loving, I don't, know, I don't know where you are tonight with your father. I don't know if you have a great relationship or if you have a really bad relationship. I don't know what that looks like for you. But you have to times whatever the great relationship you may have with your father by like infinity because God is perfectly good. The last 17 months have been kind of crazy because, you know, today one of my students, Keith Burner, called me old. That really hurt. Because I'm like, dude, I kind of am. Next This year, I, I turn a quarter of a century old, okay? And I know there's older people that are like, oh, come on, young chap, whatever. And they probably say young chap. Um, anyways, uh, but seriously, the last 17 months have been really weird for me because I am now a dad. And that's been really weird for me because I have this little son named Bryce, and he's awesome, and he's everything, and he's super cool, and I now can see all the stuff that the Bible talks about, and one day you guys will get there, all the stuff when, when the Bible calls God our heavenly father, now I, I get like a little teeny glimpse of that, because I know, man, Bryce, he's a tyrant right now, like he, if he walks over to your house, he like wants to rip every DVD off the shelf, and he wants to like, oh, what's this, knock it over, and he wants to rock over here and just kick things, and he, he's crazy, and if something's on a shelf that he can't reach, he's going to cry and point and do the more thing and point, and he just wants whatever he's not supposed to get, and me, as his loving father, I say, hey, Bryce, 
No. And this is the sign for no. No. And he looks up at me. No. And he has this thing where he's like, no, you don't understand. I I want that. That is something that's good for me right now. And me, as his loving father, says, hey, Bryce, that's not good for you. We have these things now, because Bryce, like I said, he just wants to open everything. We had to go get a couple months ago those little plastic things that you stick underneath the cupboards. And so Bryce, it's, it's actually really sad for little kids, because he's like walking in the kitchen, he waddles in the kitchen, and he's like, ooh, cabinet, I'm getting in there. And so he goes like this, and it's like, Kah! he like looks, looks up at us, Kah! and it's like, ha sucker, right? That's mean, but it's me saying, hey, Bryce, look, if you want to get underneath my sink, and, and I know the mouthwash tastes good, but you just want to chug the mouthwash because you think it tastes good, I'm telling you as your loving father, that's not good for you. And I've put these little things here to protect you from going places that you shouldn't go. And so tonight, I want us, and I don't, again, I don't know where, you at with this, where you're at with this lust thing. I don't know where that lands on you tonight, but tonight, God is perfectly good. He is a loving father. And so we need to look at, okay, what are the things in our life? What are the little plastic things on the cabinet in our life that God is trying to say, look, I'm trying to protect you. I believe the guardrails, and we're going to use that phrase a lot tonight because it's like we're on this, it's like God has set us on this path, set us on this road, right? Just imagine a wide open road. God is saying, look, I want you to enjoy life. I want you to go 75 with the windows down. I want you to have a great time in this life, but here's the deal. It's an open road, but I've set up these guardrails on the side because there's cliffs on both sides. And I set up those guardrails not to keep you from having fun, to keep you from enjoying your life, but the opposite. I'm protecting you so that you can have fun and enjoy your life. And I think, if I, maybe I'm wrong, but I think in this generation and even my generation when I was in high school, there's this, there's this image of God that's just jacked. And so tonight I kind of want to help maybe rejuvenate God's image because we think, and maybe you're there, I did, when I was 17, man, and I, you guys, so many guys are my buddy Frank, when Frank tried to kind of give me this talk, that, that God set up guardrails in your life, I kind of thought, man, that seems like God's trying to keep me from having fun. Because I like where I go Friday night, and I like the option, and this is real, okay? I like the option of possibly hooking up with that girl, or for your girls hooking up with that. I, I like that option of having free reign on the internet. I, I like that option, and just because I'm a Christian, I can't do it? Just because I'm a Christian now, God says no, and there's a big red X on it. How is that good? And we have to change our thinking that that's not God's heart. God's heart is like my heart, but 100 times, 1,000 times, infinity times better when it comes to Bryce to say, no, you think that's good, but it's going to hurt you. And these guardrails are set up so we don't jump off the cliff going 75 and wreck our life. And so tonight, if God's word is a guardrail, if what God says in, in his word is, is those little plastic things keeping us from the danger, let's look at it. And we've, uh, if you have your Bible, open up to Proverbs chapter 4. We, uh, we said this series that if we're looking at how to wreck your life, that we should look at the book of Proverbs because the book of Proverbs gives wisdom, right? It's this book of wisdom in God's word. That, that helps us not wreck our life. It says practically, man, how do you not wreck your life? And so Proverbs chapter four, we're gonna start in verse 23. It's gonna be on the screen of another Bible. Again, I encourage you to bring your Bibles. Here's what it says. Starting verse 23, guard your heart 
above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Avoid all perverse talk, stay away from corrupt speech, look straight ahead and fix your eyes on what lies before you. Remember, the vision tonight is that we're on a road and God says, I want you to go 75, but I put guardrails up. And so this verse is saying, guard your heart above all else. It determines your path. Look straight ahead, fix your eyes on what lies before you. Mark out a straight path for your free, feet, freak. <laughs> stay on the safe path. Don't get sidetracked. Keep your feet from following evil. Now you got this picture where God is saying, look, above all else, guard your heart. You're on the road. Don't get sidetracked. The guardrails are warnings, not, hey, that looks good. Let's jump the fence. Guardrails are warnings from God to say, I'm trying to protect you. A few months ago, we did a talk. It wasn't really in a series. It was just kind of one of those standalone ones, uh, random weeks. And I said something that I want to put on the screen again. And, and, and again, if you, if you didn't write this down, this is something, um, I know one kid like wrote it on his arm. That's cool. Write it on your arm. Um, this is something that if you could wrap your heart around it, it'd be good for your life. Not just your, you know, sophomore year or when you graduate high school, but your life. And here's what it is. And it kind of goes with the verse we just read. It's this, what fills your heart will lead your life. I think that comes right out of Proverbs chapter four. Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. So the, we would say that out of that, we say, man, what goes in, what we fill our heart with leads our life. Practical example, like I said, if you tell me tonight, Scott, let's go get in and out after refuge. My heart has wrapped itself around that. I'm all over that. That's happening. And I don't even care if you show up in and out. I'm going in and out tonight. And I'll sit all by myself and drink my double-double animal style, no tomato, like it's nobody's business, and it'll be good. Because I've wrapped my heart around it. What, whatever that is for you. Or maybe your friends say, we're going to the movies tonight. And you're like, dude, I want to see that new movie. And they're like, hey, we're not going. You're like, hey, I'm ready to go see this movie. You want to go see this movie? We've wrapped our heart around it, man. We're going to play that out. And I think the problem when it comes to this lust thing, and again, we're going to get into the more practical sides in a minute, but I'm just trying to set up this thing tonight. When it comes to this lust thing, so many students and so many adults, if we're being real, they don't plan to succeed in this. They don't plan to succeed in this whole thing. And I think here's the reason why. A lot of times, if you've been a girl in church, you've heard things like this. Don't have sex till you get married. Don't look at inappropriate stuff on the internet. Don't hook up with random people at parties. Maybe even don't kiss before you be, get married. Whatever you've heard that's dubbed church, that some guy from a podium has said, don't do this. And, and I'm on behalf of me and everybody else who's ever said that to you, I'm apologizing because here's what we've done. We've told students, don't do this, don't do that, don't do this, don't do that. And students are sitting here living it and they're asking the question, why? Why not? When I was 17, Frank said, hey, now you're a Christian. I'm going to try to start changing some things because you don't know these things. But the Bible talks about not having sex before you get married. I'm like, what? Maybe that's you. What? What? That's not what everyone at basic high school is saying. That's not, that's not where everyone that I'm around is living. Why? And thankfully, I had people in my life to really start spilling out why. They're not just saying, don't do this, don't do that, don't do this. They're, at, they're answering the question, why? And tonight, the easy answer why is that God is trying to protect you. And I hope, I hope that that doesn't just fall deaf on your ears tonight. 
that as God in his sovereignty can see, look, I know you think that looks good. I know that relationship looks really good and that moment in the bedroom looks really good or that party looks really good or that time alone in front of your computer looks really good or when you're standing in front of the mirror and you want to dress as hot as possible so that you'll get as much comments from guys on Facebook or in real life. I know that that looks good for you right now, but don't do it. I'm protecting you. I'm protecting your heart. A lot of times we don't plan to succeed. Right now, maybe you're not thinking, you're thinking, man, when I have a relationship, then I'll plan to not have sex before I get married. Or maybe, you know, when I, when I get older and right now I don't, really, I don't really ever think about doing stuff on the internet, maybe, you know, maybe if mom and dad put a computer in my room, maybe then I'll start thinking about not doing things I'm not supposed to do. We don't plan to succeed now. A lot of us, and I'm guilty of this, we just walk through life like Bryce walks in the kitchen, and we're just stumbling, hoping to not fail. We're not walking through life planning on succeeding. We're just stumbling through life, hoping I don't mess up, hoping I don't have that relationship that ends up at hurting me, hoping that I don't have those relationships around me that are broken and disconnected because of stuff I've done. I just hope that doesn't happen. There's a story in the Bible I want to look at tonight. This is exactly what this guy did. A lot of you guys know the story of David. If there's a story in the Bible where a dude just didn't plan to succeed and he just was hoping he didn't fail, it's David. You don't have to flip there, but in 2 Samuel chapter 11, if you want to write that down, 2 Samuel chapter 11 opens like this. And a lot of you hear the story of David and this woman named Bathsheba. 2 Samuel 11 one says this, In the spring of the year when kings normally go to war, Right? So when it's time for kings normally to go out to war, David stayed behind in Jerusalem. I never thought that was cool. Somebody explained that to me. Do you get that? When normally the plan of normal kings, David's the king of Israel, when the plan for normal kings is you are supposed to go out to war and out and fight for your country, David stayed home. He was like, man, I know that's the plan. I know that's where the open road is. I know that's God's will for me because I'm a king and he's made me king and that's what he wants for me. But, dude, I'm good. I'm going to hang out here with all the ladies because all the guys are at war. I'm going to hang out here with all the ladies and kind of do my own thing. I'm king. I could do what I want. So I don't know what he was doing. He's wanting to just go out on the porch. And he walks out on the porch and he sees this woman. And he's like, whew, hottie. So it says, Paul says, he saw that she was nice or whatever that means. Um, and he said to his servant, hey, go get that girl. I'm the king. I want her right now. Servant does it. And David, again, his heart got wrapped up. He walked in the thing. He saw Bathsheba. Man, my heart got wrapped up to it. What fills my heart leads my life. He said, dude, that girl's hot. I want that girl right now. Go get her. My heart's in this. Let's do this. And so the servant goes and gets Bathsheba. And, and David and Bathsheba sleep together. And he gets her pregnant. Little did he know, Bathsheba had a husband who was off fighting David's war. Where David should have been, that's where Bathsheba's husband is. And so David starts freaking out, right? Because we do that. When we, get, when we do things we know we're not supposed to do, we start freaking out. Oh, my gosh, what am I going to do? Uh, okay, I, I've got this girl pregnant, and her husband's gone, so obviously that couldn't have worked. Um, what am I going to do? I got it. Uh, put put uh, Bathsheba's husband on the front lines. 
because then he just gets killed. And then I'm good because then I can just be with Bathsheba, and that's what I want anyways. And so David just heaps sin on top of sin and wrong on top of wrong, and he sleeps with Bathsheba, and he gets her pregnant, and then he says, oh, no, freak out moment. Kill her husband. Now I can be with Bathsheba, and everything will be cool. Well, the baby ends up dying. David ends up feeling guilt and shame and, and so and his kids hate him. And there's this huge story of David's guilt and shame plaguing him for his whole life. And yeah, look, God's grace is good. We're going to get there in a minute. The Bible does call David a man after God's own heart. Man, you read the Bible in the Old Testament, you see all these things where David just heaping all this stuff on him because he just had one moment where he didn't stick to the plan. He was hoping he just didn't fail. And he's not just open road, 75. He's like, no, that, past that guardrail that God set up, I'm jumping it because it looks good. And what fills your heart will lead your life. And we've had those moments in here. In a room this size with this many teenagers, we've all had those moments. I've had those moments. Where you ditch the plan and you jump the guardrails and there's consequences. Tonight, if I could take a Sharpie, and we're, I got two things and we're done. If I could take a Sharpie and write on every one of your brains and every one of your hearts the next two things I'm going to say, I would do it if that was possible and not weird. If, I, if there's two things that I want everybody in this room to burn in their brains when it comes to this thing of lust and how it wrecks your life, it would be these next two things. First one is this. Lust is destructive and different. Right, we've already talked about the destructive part. It'll wreck your life. How's it different? How is lust different? How is it different than the lying thing we talked about week one of the series? How is it different than the insecurity thing we talked about last week? How is lust different? I believe lust is different. Because unlike a lot of other things that can wreck our life, lust has the potential to not only wreck my life, but wreck the lives of people around me. I don't want hands tonight, but there's people in this room or you have friends that aren't in this room where you have seen their life completely destroyed by one of their parents committing adultery. One of their parents cheated on another parent and they didn't think that it was gonna wreck their kid's life, but man, something has happened inside of you that it has wrecked your life. Or lust isn't just sexual stuff, right? Maybe there's parents of, of students in here or students at your school whose, whose moms or dads were so lusting for power at their workplace. If they wanted to be the CEO or they wanted to be the CEO's right-hand man, and so they gave everything in their life to be there at the expense of their family. Maybe that's you tonight. That you're a product of that. And you don't realize it, or maybe you very much realize it, but it has wrecked your life. There has been things that are damaged in you because of that. Lust is just different. It has the potential to wreck my life and wreck the lives of people all around me. Listen, we can just be real tonight. God's grace is awesome. For two years of my life, I destroyed my life and the lives of people around me because of something in my heart. Because there was something I grabbed a hold of my heart and it led my life. And for two years, relationships in my life were wrecked. I'd be willing to bet you have some of that tonight. 
whether you're the recipient, the recipient of that, that your life has been wrecked because of somebody else's junk, or you've messed up and you've seen other people's lives be wrecked. Lust is destructive and different. Second thing I want to burn in your head tonight is this. There is a war going on for your heart. There is a war going on for your heart. And I think the sooner that we realize that as 9th, 10th, 11th, 12th graders, the sooner we'll start recognizing this stuff can wreck your life. Earlier, I I mentioned that, that lust is fleshly desires for something God's trying to protect us from. I don't know if, if you, know, you know what that word flesh means. And here, let me explain it. Flesh is, is, is a word that the Bible uses to explain or, or to, to describe our just sin nature, right? We have, like all of us, born are born into sin, right? We've heard this story at Refuge. We are born into a sinful world that's fallen and, and, and distant from God. And the Bible explains that as flesh, Right, if you don't have a relationship with God tonight, we would say, according to the Bible, and you would read in the Bible, that you are flesh. That you're, you, you live your life in the flesh. But as Christians, we understand that we've asked God to take that junk, and he was crucified for that junk, and so the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of us. And so there's this flesh, but then there's also the Spirit. And Paul talks about in Galatians, again, don't flip there, it's gonna be on the screen. Galatians chapter five says this, but I say... Walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. So walk, listen to the Spirit, walk by the Spirit, and you won't gratify that other junk in you, that stuff that's still left over from the sinful world we're living in. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. There's this war going on around you and for you. And listen, the good news is the enemy has been defeated. I'm not trying to say that God is at war with the devil and who knows who's gonna win. The good news is is that the enemy has been defeated. And we know in, in, in eternity that God wins. And that's good. But there's still this sin thing that we deal with when we're here now. And there's this war that's going on between good and evil for your heart. There's the spirit inside of you, but there's also the flesh inside of you that we choose to listen to. We choose to wrap our hearts around. If tonight when we walked out, we don't have tornadoes here, that'd be weird. But if we walked out of refuge tonight and there was a tornado going on, every single one of us would go to the nearest like pole or the nearest structure and we would try to grab on to the most solid thing we could find. There's a tornado. I see it. It's happening. I would like cower under like a big truck or something. I would eat the truck like, ever seen the movie Twister? Freak you out. But if I saw that tornado, man, I would go and grab the most solid thing I could find. But here's the deal. What if I walked outside tonight and I didn't see the tornado? And I'm walking to in and out And there's all these people clinging to poles and they're like jumping on the roof. What would that do? And they're, they're doing whatever they can do to get in there. And I'm like, what are you freaks doing? They're like, can't you see the tornado? No. 
And I'm just walking because I don't see the tornado, but I see all these people clinging to things, and they're clinging to what's true, and they're clinging to what's solid, and I don't see it. Chances are I'm going to get swept away. When I don't recognize what's going on around me, and that's the thing, a lot of teenagers, man, we just figure, eh. And years down the road, we look back, and this is true for me, said, man, I just missed it. There was a war going on for my heart, and I just didn't want to pay attention. And tonight, maybe some of you are sitting in that spot. Some of you tonight, lust has consumed your life. And it's a dirty word, and we don't like to use it. But, man, you find yourself in front of that computer screen however often, and you know it's wrong. Look, sometimes we know stuff's wrong, but that flesh, we just do it. And we're like, dang it, I knew I shouldn't have done that. I knew I shouldn't have just messed up with my boyfriend or girlfriend or that random girl or random guy at that party. I knew I shouldn't have done that on the computer. I knew I shouldn't have worn that thing and posted those pictures on Facebook. I knew I shouldn't have done that, but how did it happen? It just consumed my life. There is freedom tonight. For those of you who call yourselves Christians, if lust has consumed your life, whatever that looks like for you, it could be things I didn't mention, but you know, it's those things, those fleshly desires for things that you know God is trying to protect you from. Just like last week, maybe some of you here tonight, like, dude, I feel like lust is consuming my life, but I, I don't know what to do. I've never heard of this freedom or, or this, you know, freedom in Christ or this laying down, this relationship with Jesus. I've never, I've never heard of that. I've never bought into that. Tonight, as, as, as real as I can be, there's freedom for you. Every single person in this room who's a leader who has one of these badges on has recognized and seen that freedom in their life. I would love to talk with you. You're, these leaders would love to talk with you, man. You would say, I just don't have a place to go for this, for this freedom. I've never known there was a place to lay this junk down and have this burden lifted off my shoulders. I would urge you tonight to talk to one of us. We would love to introduce you to a relationship with Jesus where this stuff's just, this stuff's still real. There's still a battle going on, but there's this huge, awesome rock foundation that we just cling to with our whole life that says you win and you lose and I'm on this side. And I don't have to be conquered by this junk anymore. Are we gonna mess up? Yeah. But God's grace is good enough. Does that mean it's like God's grace is good enough, let's go for it? No. When we are holding on to the rock, that's just not how it works. That's not how the spirit of God alive and working through you works. And if that's what your thought process is, you should check your relationship with the rock. Check your relationship with that firm foundation. Would you guys bow your heads tonight? I said in the beginning, tonight was kind of heavy. If this is your first time, welcome to Refuge. It's not always like this. But in a, in a room this big with this many students, man, there is some junk that has consumed your life. Listen, I hated when I was your age when people talked to me like I was a little kid. So on purpose tonight, I talk to you like you're almost adults. 
like the some of you in here that are planning for college next year. Well, there's some of you in here are getting jobs, getting driver's license, and you guys are freshmen, sophomore, and you can't wait for that day, and you're no longer little kids. And you're no longer living little kid lives with little kid sins. There's stuff that's eaten up your life. And the strongest, most sincere way possible as a dude who I get to spend a lot of time with you guys and I love you guys and I don't just care and the leaders in this room don't just care about you now but also we care about your future we care about everybody in the room who's going to be a husband or a wife and we'll have to to, to lay the things that you've done and the things your past and all the things that you do when you walk into a relationship or there's people in this room that are going to be little mommies and daddies in a matter of years. There's going to be pastors and teachers and police officers and business people and whatever else your life carries you to. And we care about your future. That is 16, 17, 18, 15, wherever you land tonight. We want to protect you from wrecking your life. And lust will destroy your life. Jesus, tonight, God, there's stuff in this room, God, untold issues that each one of us deal with. And God, for high school students, one of the biggest lies that's out there is that lust isn't a big deal. And God, we ignore the guardrails that you set up sometimes, if we're honest, and we jump the fence and we go straight for that junk. So God, tonight, we just say sorry. I'm sorry that we have looked in the face of our loving Father who set up these things to protect us and we've jumped the fence on purpose. And I pray for every student in here who doesn't know where to turn. God, I pray for the students in here who even as this talk was happening, God, the devil has just been heaping on them like David, sin after sin and guilt God, thank you that you forgive. Thank you that your love is enough. That's something that may have wrecked their life last week or last month or last year. God, you can restore. God, tonight the enemy has been defeated and we say thank you for that. God, we can walk as we go to our schools tomorrow and as we live life with our friends tonight, God, and, and we... we leave this place, God. We can trust that there's freedom we can walk in. And yes, there's a war, God, but there's a spirit who lives inside of us as believers. God, who we can allow to lead our life. And it's the best, most fulfilled, most enjoyable life there is. So God, I pray tonight as we talk about this for a few minutes in groups that you would just continue to speak and that you would, God, 
if the person in here needs a relationship with you, God, I pray they'd come speak to one of us. We would love to talk to them about that. God, for the rest of us, I pray these two things would be burned into our heads. That this is a real issue. That there is, is, is a difference in this lust issue. God, and there's a war going on for your heart, for their heart. So God, we love you tonight. And thank you in Jesus' name, amen.